one is working from home and one is not, or one is going out to work a little bit, regardless of how much time they have together at home, having more time to work on the issues or more time to have sex or more time to be with each other hasn't had a huge impact. The amount of time they have together has not been proportional to the amount of progress they've made in their relationship. You're listening to The Sill Podcast with Peter Noche and Harry Posner. Episode 126, The Undefinable Spirit. Dr. Claudia Six returns to talk about relationships and sex during COVID-19. Thanks for joining us in today's Undefinable Spirit podcast. It's a real pleasure for Harry and I to welcome back Dr. Claudia Six, who was a guest on a previous and very memorable podcast in October of 2018 on episode TSP64, during which we highlighted her book, Erotic Integrity, How to Be True to Yourself Sexually, which was published in May of 2016. For those of you who don't know Dr. Six, she has spent the last 30 years of her life as a practicing clinical sexologist and is a successful sex therapist who has helped thousands of people live happier, more satisfying lives and relationships. Her manner is unique and her style, as we discovered, approachable and engaging, which she also brings to her clients and those attending her workshops. Her credentials include an MA in counseling psychology and a PhD in clinical sexology, and she's a board-certified clinical sexologist by the American Board of Sexology. In addition to her TEDx talk in August of 2016 about performance anxiety in women, which resonated with many, she's an adjunct professor at USF, has created online erotic integrity modules for people who want to explore their own pace, and is currently doing Skype and phone sessions with clients all over the world. Hi, Claudia, and uh, great to have you back. Hi, gentlemen. Thanks for having me. Welcome back. So, Claudia, despite all the inherent restrictions we're currently experiencing, have you seen a difference between the sexes in terms of their approach or choices during this COVID-19 situation? I have not. I think that men having more testosterone tend to have a higher libido in general, and that has not changed under the pandemic. And women typically... I mean, this is like an established long-term relationships. Women, typically, their libido has not changed with lockdown. So I would say, no, I have not really seen a change. The same dynamics are in place as before the pandemic. And you've been carrying on your practice online, I take it. Yes, I have. I was doing some Skype and phone sessions before, but now I do pretty much exclusively Skype sessions. Okay, so have you noticed any differences to the way your practice is unfolding? For example, are people somehow more or less honest or forthright when connecting digitally versus face-to-face? Some feedback I've gotten is that some people prefer the Skype because they find it not very formal, Mm. but some people find it even less formal. 
because they get to see the inside of my house. I get to see the inside of their house. Mm-hmm. None of us are dressed up. It's still a little cool out here in San Francisco. I'm, you know, I'm wearing a sweater, but there's not the formality and the dress code that I have more in my office where I sit in a specific chair, they sit on the couch, maybe there's a handshake, we don't touch each other. There's a certain formality, Mm. even though my language is very colloquial and I'm very open and frank in my conversations. Some feedback I've gotten from several clients is that they prefer the Skype Mm. because it's it's more informal. So are you likely to continue online and face-to-face? As you go forward? Yes, definitely. You know, I heard on NPR this morning something about the lockdown abating and businesses reopening. And the gist of what the guest was saying was that businesses that are going to survive are going to have to have a significant online component. And they were talking about grocery stores and mom and pop businesses, storefront businesses. But I thought, gosh, I wonder if that applies to psychotherapy and other services. Mm -hmm. But yeah, definitely. I think for one thing, that's what people are getting used to. And I think it's very convenient. I mean, I have a lot of high-tech clients from Silicon Valley who don't want to drive, don't want to take the time to come to my office Mm -hmm. and just prefer the convenience of get an invoice online, they pay online, we get on Skype, we have the call and They don't have to go anywhere. They have to provide their own box of tissues then. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. You also said uh, dress up. Do any of them uh, dress down? Well, those clients who are working from home, from what I've observed, people are mostly wearing sweats. (laughs) I mean, they're wearing comfortable exercise clothes. Right. Well, given that the real thing is out of reach for a lot of people, what's happening in the world of virtual sex or dating sites? Have you seen an increase in either Uh, Yes. Last I checked, I think a couple weeks ago, Ashley Madison was saying they had 17,000 new signups per day since the pandemic in the U.S. And I know that other sites, I think OkCupid had an increase in 10%. Bumble, which is when women approach men, I believe, Mm. saw an 84% increase. Mm. Yeah. uh, Why do you think that is, given that people can't meet in the flesh right now? I think a lot of it is sort of a a pressure valve, a release valve for sexual tension, for one thing, for single people who want to be meeting and having sex with someone and having a partner or a lover. A lot of married people, Ashley Madison is all about married people looking for affairs. Mm. And I think it's just the fantasy, the escape. They can't necessarily meet in person and act on the desire for a new partner, but they can certainly Skype, text, email, talk on the phone. There's all kinds of virtual ways that people can communicate and probably also on various forms of online sex, which I don't have any data about. (laughs) But I, I think people just want the escape. They want the fantasy. So I guess, you know, imagination is really getting a workout these days. (laughs) Yes, well, you know, sex is a lot about imagination. Right, right. And speaking of which, you said Madison is a site for married couples. It's a website for married people who want an affair. So the premise is that everybody on there is married and is looking for an adjunct sexual partner. But not necessarily with the knowledge of the other partner. 
Right. No, right. it's not a non-monogamy, open relationship kind of thing. It's uh, it's an illicit affair thing. Okay. So speaking in the same vein, uh, given the economic and social stresses and strains that we're having right now, experienced by many during this lockdown, do you think this will lead to a rise in divorce rates? I think I saw somewhere divorce a palooza. Yeah, I think from given the numbers coming out of China, I believe there's a a huge increase in divorces. And I do think that there will also be a huge increase in divorces in the U.S. and probably in Canada. Uh We're also seeing a rise, at least in this country, of domestic violence during this period as well, right? Sure. Um, That's not really a population I work with very much, but... mm -hmm. I'm not surprised. People are cooped up inside. There's no escape. Old dynamics that have always been there are now exacerbated and coming to the forefront. And Mm -hmm. people don't necessarily have better coping skills than they did before. And there's no pressure release because you can't go to the gym. You can't go to the bar with your buddies or, you know, whatever people are doing. You can't leave the house to go to work and just go do something else. So, yeah, I'm not surprised. There's increase in alcohol consumption because, you know, the liquor stores around here are open. How that is like an essential business, I don't know. Here too. Yeah, Yeah. they're here too. And the the rationale being that uh, the addicts are going to suffer greatly if the uh, stores are closed. Very interesting psychology there. Wow. Either that or great taxes. Yeah, and the taxes there are appreciated. Um, The other side of that too, Claudia, I'd like to just broach for a moment because My personal experience of my spouse is that in this time when we've been kind of forced to be together more often than ever, I've developed a deeper appreciation for Mm -hmm. her that's not predicated necessarily on physical contact or sex. Do you find that that's happening at all in terms of relationships? Yeah, same here. Yeah, I think it is. I think the short answer to all this is if the relationship was good before lockdown, it will be good during lockdown. If the relationship was somewhat in trouble before lockdown, it's going to be in big trouble during lockdown. Because right. I am hearing about couples who are like, oh, I'm not having it. We're, not, we're having a good time. I'm glad to be locked up with this person. Yeah. And I'd say there's even a case for something in between, uh, which is it's made the weak parts weaker and the strong parts stronger. Yeah. Very well put, yeah. So you can have uh, mixed feelings. I know I've run through that myself. Some people, as you said, had strong relationships going into that. Now, that, that, of course, the definition of strength will vary from couple to couple as to what they determine as strong or not. You can be with someone and totally appreciate or gain a further appreciation for who they are and what they do and so on, yet they're still a part of that relationship that may have existed before or not, where you're going, yeah, that's all wonderful. However, there's still something here that I still feel for myself. It's not necessarily about them. There's still something that I deem to be important, which has nothing to do with how I value the person, but I feel there's a certain lacking. You know, in in every relationship, there is a thorn in your side Hmm. because you're dealing with two flawed human beings. Right trying to be intimate and trying to be vulnerable and love each other. But there is no such thing as a perfect human being. And in every single relationship, I have clients who are in their 20s. I have clients who are in their 70s. They've been together for 50 years. Mm -hmm. I have clients that I've seen on and off for like 10, 20 years. Like every few years they come in and just couples I know. And I forgot what I was saying. 
Well, I'll, I'll, maybe this will help. I'll, I'll tell you exactly why. Oh, yeah. I'll tell you exactly why I'm bringing this up because I know that there will be a lot of people out there whose challenge may be in evaluating in terms of do I stay or do I go. Yeah. And, and oftentimes you can have one thing that's extremely important that tells you to go, but then when you balance it out with all the other things which may or may not have been improved during this pandemic or isolation situation, you then have to reconsider. And I think sometimes that if the divorce rate does increase exponentially, I suspect that there will be a number of people that are jumping the gun. I think some of the things that are going to be exacerbated, that have been exacerbated while people have been on lockdown, is stuff that they hadn't necessarily really addressed before. So, like, how neat or tidy they like the house to be. You know, often if there's one person who's messy, the other one's tidy. And when you're cooped up together, it takes on greater proportions. Mm -hmm. Parenting difficulties. If people have kids, there's often conflicts in parenting. And if the kids are home 24-7 and you're with them, parenting differences are going to be more exaggerated. Sexual routine. If you're only having sex on Sunday morning because nobody's going off to work or taking the kids to basketball practice, Mm -hmm. and now you're home every morning and nobody's going to work and there's no basketball practice, that sexual routine gets sort of reevaluated or reexamined. Maybe one person's on board and the other one isn't. And then there's the mundane things like... Who typically runs the household? Who does the grocery shopping? Who cooks? Who cleans? If one person goes out to work, but now nobody's going out to work, who does the cooking and the cleaning? These are the little things Mm. that can annoy you about the other person. You know, the eating or drinking or video habits. Mm -hmm. But ultimately, in every relationship, there is a thorn in your side. And you have to weigh, as a therapist of mine said years ago, the promise versus the suffering. Right. So the promise you've made to the relationship and to the other person versus the suffering, you know, just the vicissitudes of life and the aggravation of being in relationship with another person. And so along that same line, perfect segue here, how important is the alone time during this period as in the movement of your partner into your space or vice versa during the course of a day? Well, everybody has different needs. You know, there's the introverts and the extroverts. The extroverts are suffering because they can't really go out unless they're doing a whole lot of Skype or Zoom or whatever. The introverts, I mean, a lot of them are, if they live alone, they're loving this. I mean, I know some who are very happy with this setup. But the introverts who are in a house with possibly their own family members and possibly additional friends or family members who have had to leave I have clients on the East Coast who have family staying with them because family from, you know, New York was hit pretty hard and people wanted to get out of New York. So mm. so for those people, there's no such thing as quiet time or personal space. It's just not an option. Right. Personally, I think it's important for everybody to have some quiet time, whether you're taking a bubble bath or reading a book with for 15 minutes or dancing in your garage or whatever it is you do with headphones on. I think it's important for everybody to have a little quiet time to themselves, just to fill their own tank, just be with themselves. But different people have different needs. Yeah. And the other sort of anxiety making or tension making element here too is we each have an individual attitudes towards the situation, the virus, the crisis, etc. Some of us think 
It's not as bad as it's being made out to be. Some of us want to take extra, extra precautions, et cetera, et cetera. What are you finding in terms of couples whose individual attitudes are different or vary in regards to this virus? Couples are having to trust each other more than they did before. Mm -hmm. And what I am finding is that there's one person who tends to be the designated grocery shopper. Right. The designated one who has more contact with the outside world. Mm-hmm. And couples develop a routine about sanitizing everything and who gets to come to the house or not. And also what I'm finding in older couples is often there's one person who's sort of in a protective role around the other. So if one person is physically compromised in some way, that the one who is more able-bodied becomes more of a, a protector of the other one's well-being. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah I'm experiencing that in my relationship uh, as well. My wife is the, the shopper. And so she's extra cautious out there because she doesn't want to bring something home to me. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, and that's an agreed upon. Yeah, I, I, agree, I agree with Harry to some extent, although I find in my own relationship it kind of moves back and forth because we're both fairly strong personalities. So it's, it's a little bit harder to draw the line. There's definitely a line being drawn in terms of the practical aspects of functioning, i.e. grocery shopping and so on. But in terms of the attitudes towards the virus itself, uh, neither one of us is prone to fear-mongering or any of that. So it's, it's made that part a lot easier is that we're in general agreement from the fear factor perspective. I know some couples who are having a more difficult time with that perspective. One is considerably more fearful than the other about the virus itself, the whole situation. I would think that would be a little bit more challenging. Sure, absolutely. And you have to respect somebody else's boundaries. Right. Yep. So it's just part of respecting your partner and respecting their space and their health and their well-being. Mm-hmm. So I actually don't listen to the news and I mean, I abide by the rules and the guidelines and the mask and not being in contact with anybody and I abide by all that, but I actually am not up to date on the latest developments because I don't want to live in fear, Mm -hmm. but I respect the boundaries of those around me regarding their well-being and their fears. Claudia, have you seen in your clients any major sexual revelations or profound changes in how they're handling their partners? Yeah, I wish I could say yes, but I have not. Oh, okay. I have found that the issues that were there before corona are still there. Mm-hmm. And even if it's a couple who work together, have a business, a storefront business together, which is obviously closed, so hence have a lot of time together, or where one is working from home and one is not, or one is going out to work a little bit, regardless of how much time they have together at home, having more time to work on the issues or more time to have sex or more time to be with each other hasn't had a huge impact. The amount of time they have together has not been proportional to the amount of progress they've made in their relationships. Mm -hmm. They've made some progress, like those who are coming in because sex wasn't happening are now having a little bit more sex, but I'm not finding anything drastically different. 
I remember back in my 20s and 30s, going through various stages and listening to all kinds of conversations regarding couples and sexuality and so on, and people talking about opportunity and having time, and the kids are in the way, and this are in the way, and that is in the way. And now I'm thinking to myself, assuming, of course, you feel like it, what is possibly in the way now? You've got nothing but time. Every day is Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. <laughs> you talked about Sunday. I go around the house and I change all the calendar days to all Sunday. <laughs> no, I, I'm kidding. Uh, yeah, but yeah. the point I'm trying to make is that if there was ever an opportunity for a little bit of fun and relaxation, this is golden. Sure. Time is, is whenever couples come in and say, oh, you know, we love each other. We have a great relationship. We get along great. We don't fight much. We just don't have time. Right. You know, that's nonsense. That's a story. Okay, let's just get that out of the way. If you wanted to make time, you would. Exactly. So people are not, it's never about time. When couples are not having sex, it's never because they don't have time. It's because maybe they haven't made the time. And why have they not made the time? That is the question. Maybe, you know, I was talking to a client yesterday who wants to be having more sex with his wife, but it's like he doesn't want anybody to know that he's a sexual being. Right. So he, they can't have sex if the kids are in the house. Right. Mm -hmm. It's like, well, you know, your kids know you have sex at least twice because there's two kids in the house. <laughs> it's like, you know, own it. If you want to be doing it, own it. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, so time is just a story. It's easier with, I don't feel like it or I'm not in the mood, then it's too late or I don't have time. <laughs> yeah. Now, here's the question of questions, okay? I mean, we're all chomping at the bit for when restrictions are eased up, when we can all go back out into the big bad world and go to the stores and all that stuff. In terms of sexuality, how do you see the world of sexuality playing out post-COVID? Do you think it's going to be some time before people feel comfortable enough to have regular sexual relations out there? Or what do you think is going to happen? So people who are dating, people who are not married or cohabitating, you're yeah. referring to, yeah. it sounds mm -hmm. like. Mm -hmm. I wonder about that. Maybe this is a poor metaphor, but I think it's kind of like restaurants. It's, I mean, are people going to rush to restaurants as soon as they're open just because they can? I think people are going to be cautious, and I think yeah. it's going to be the same with gyms, and I think it's going to be the same with sex. Any environment where you're going to be in some fairly close proximity to other people. What about dance halls? Um, Basic kissing. You know, where you partner <laughs> dancing. I mean, what's yeah. what's going to happen there? Right. I think people are going to be more cautious, and I think activity will increase with time as people's fears abate. But I would imagine people will be fairly cautious, yes. And I would suggest to you also a cultural impact because I know in my own culture, we're used to touching, we're used to hugging, we're used to kissing, male and female, male, male. And I imagine a lot of the Southern European countries would have the same kind of challenge. That's an interesting comment, Peter. Yeah, because, I mean, you can't tell from my accent, but I'm French. Mm -hmm. Right. And my family my and my friends have all been on lockdown. But, you know, in France, when you say hello to somebody that you know, it's like two, three or four kisses yeah. or a handshake. Right. So I imagine that's not going to be happening. That's an interesting thought. I hadn't thought of that. And there's a psychology there, too, because it's part of your genetic makeup. It's not just something that you learned over a week. You've been doing it all your life. Yeah. So it's a form of expression, even with same gender. Right. So this is a subject that uh, we could go on forever, but we're going to try and uh, wrap this up here. And I just wanted to ask you whether or not you have uh, anything on the go, any information that you would like people out there to know and websites and new projects and whether or not you're going to do 
a follow-up to your erotic integrity? Mm-hmm. No, I don't think I'm going to write another book. Certainly, I don't have one in the works. I'm really enjoying the Skype sessions with my clients. I'm really enjoying the phone sessions. I'm enjoying the Skype sessions that I do as an adjunct to the online modules that I design because some people had read the book and were like, okay, well, we've read the book. We don't really want to do therapy with you, but we want more about erotic integrity. Mm. So the online modules are a way for people to work through the erotic integrity, the different themes at their own pace. And there's the option of having Skype sessions with me. Um, also, and yes, and the website is drsix.net, D-R-S-I-X.net. But, you know, a closing thought, since we're winding down, mm-hmm. is that sexuality, I've always said, is part of life energy. And during this time where people are dying, people are struggling, people are depressed, people are anxious, people are worried about their livelihood, and also people are dying – Sexuality is part of life energy, and I think that people working on their sexuality, I don't like putting those two words together, but people enhancing their sexuality and finding a way to have that blossom and support them in their everyday living Mm -hmm. is an affirmation of life during this time when people are dying. Wow, you just said something that made me think right here as you were speaking, so I'm not crazy for having those thoughts at funerals. No. Good for you for saying that. Yeah, no. Sexuality is part of life energy, and it's just affirming. And especially when people are stressed, that's the kind of thing that enhances libido. Endorphins and dopamine, and I'm not open on my neurochemistry, but absolutely, it's part of life energy. Yeah. And would you be, in a sense, saying or encouraging masturbation as a form of release during these times for people who are feeling absolutely. You know, frustrated, etc.? Yeah, I'm surprised I never mentioned it earlier. Yes, I mean, especially since we talked about people having time alone. We talked about people who can't go out and date. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I think masturbation is essential if you are not able to engage sexually with the person of your choice. (laughs) No, but it's so good to hear it, not in a kind of silly manner, but to hear it seriously. It's spoken like it should be given some credit as opposed to some religious restrictions mm. that suggest that it's a horrible thing or, or, like that. or that it's aberrational or, or something. Yeah, or exactly. I think it's important coming from someone like yourself and just in the course of a natural discussion to address it for what it's worth. Oh, thank you. Yeah. So on that note, Claudia, as always, sincerely a pleasure speaking with you and hearing your perspective. Thank you again. Oh, we'll have thank to- you. It's yeah. always a pleasure speaking with you, gentlemen. Thank you. We'll have to have a, a third one as a follow-up post-COVID yes. to uh, touch base again. That would be interesting, wouldn't it? Yeah. Again, Claudia, thanks very much. Thank you very much, Claudia. My pleasure. Just stay safe. Okay, thank you. Ciao. Ciao. The Sill Podcast is a Connecting Dots Media production. Available at thesillpodcast.com. <laughs>